Welcome to Grace This Weekend. My name's Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I usually have a whiteboard with me. And uh, one time I went to this restaurant, and somebody said, hey, I know you. Like, you look familiar. I said, oh, maybe, maybe, have you gone to Grace Church before? They're like, that's it? You're the whiteboard pastor. I was like, yes, I am. That is me. I do not have my whiteboard with me today, but I do have a teeter-totter. So that's cool. That's going to be a lot of fun. So excited about kicking off this new series, and if we haven't met, I'd love to meet you. We're calling this series, What If? And uh, what we're kind of premising the whole thing on is what if, there, what if there's more than just the daily grind to life? And we all kind of find ourselves in a grind. It's just what it is. Right? If I'm in school, I'm, I'm grinding through the school week. I'm doing homework, doing the whole thing. My alarm goes off, crank it all out. And I'll find myself in a day-to-day grind, a week-to-week grind, look forward to the weekend. And in whatever season I'm in, I'm kind of in that cycle. I'm going to show up to work. I'm going to pay bills. I'm going to change the kids' diapers. I'm going to taxi them from sporting event or wherever they're doing, right, all their activities. And I'm going to kind of do that grind over and over. I'm going to fit fitness in where I can, make sure my financial future is secure. And all those things, they're, they're all good, you know. I'm going to jam some entertainment in. We're, we're kind of, there's some gaps. But I think with all of us, we're going to come to this point where we're going to come and ask that question. It's going to kind of bubble up and surface to the top of our heart and mind. Isn't there more than this, right? What if? Like, what if there's more purpose and, and more that I'm made to do or be or accomplish? What if there's more to following Jesus than I'm currently experiencing right now? In the midst of that grind, we'll look at that, and, and every once in a while, it's almost like that question kind of grabs hold of our hearts and minds and makes us look at our lives and say, what if? Right, what if there's a, a whole aspect or whole dimension of life that I'm really missing out on? What if that's possible? I think for some of us, we're going to feel that question uh, pretty acutely. It's going to be something that's almost a pain point for us, and it's going to drive us to, to try to find an answer to that. And for some of us, it's going to be, I'm kind of good with the grind, you know, and, and just every once in a while, maybe there's a moment or two that will pop up in a given year, and then that question will surface, and I'll have to figure out what to do with that. And we said, what, do, what if we spent some time really looking at some of these questions, and starting to say, what, what if there is actually more? And what if there's more of a plan and more of a design, more of a purpose for why I'm on the planet? Like, what if there's a, a whole nother aspect that we could tap into? What if? And I'm pumped about this series. You know, one of the things we're going to do that's really unique in the in this series is you guys can grab this little half sheet of paper. We're gonna, actually going to have a Q&A time. So a lot of times we'll call this a conversation. In reality, usually there's just like one of us talking. We would love to hear back from you, right? So throughout the series, every couple of weeks, we're going to have a, an actual Q&A time. One will be after this service in this room, then one will be on Saturday night after the second service. So if you have questions jot those down through really any of the messages, and then we'll gather together and have some Q&A times. Uh, Pastor Jeff or I will be there, and we'll have a chance to really dialogue and, and talk this stuff through together. And what we want to do today is really we're just going to set up the framework, and all I want to do is we're actually going to really take one look at actually a, a concept that's fairly simple, but if we lock onto it, it's absolutely mind-blowing, and I think can change our lives. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at that concept. It's a bit of a mindset shift. And what we're going to find as we look at this mindset is that 
are what if questions, and they're not, they're not like a pipe dream. They're actually something that God puts in us on purpose, and he is the one actually bringing those questions up in our mind. And what we're gonna see is those, those what if questions are legitimate, and they're actually real, and there actually is a life that is much more than we could ever imagine. So excited to dig in that with you today. I'm gonna leave you hanging a little bit as this is kind of an introductory conversation, but I wanna walk away with us kind of embracing the process of asking these questions rather than trying to push it off and get back to the grind. Let's lock into it and begin to understand where all this comes from. We're gonna be in the book of of 2 Corinthians today. If you guys have a Bible, uh, go ahead and open to that book, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, uh, feel free to grab one from underneath the chairs there. You can open your app and look along there as well. And if you don't have a Bible and you want a copy of God's word, take that one from underneath the chairs. Take that home with you. You can actually have it and uh, make that your own personal copy of God's word. Love to give that to you, you as a gift. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, as you're turning there, page 808 in those Bibles under the chairs, let me give you some quick background on what's happening. Uh, The author of that book is a guy named Paul. He was a major leader in the early church, and he's a guy who was religious, would have had a certain set of experiences with God, and then something would radically change his life, and his what-if questions really would be answered, and he would have a completely different experience after coming to know Jesus and starting a relationship with Christ. And this guy became a major leader in the early church and he started this church in an ancient city called Corinth. And let me tell you real quick just a few things about Corinth that's helpful for us as we set up shop here. Uh, Corinth is a place that was, would have been a major a trade city. It was a port city. And so there was a lot of diversity, a lot of power, a lot of money really in this city. And this church became a, a church of means. It was a large church, a strong church. It was a financially well-off church. And it was a gifted church. There were strong leaders and strong communicators. And there was a lot of spiritual gifts within that church. And Paul would continually have to lean in in his leadership of the Corinthian church and remind them where they got what they have. And this is, I think, typical for any group of people that finds themselves kind of good to go on their own, right? Whenever we're a part of a group that's kind of kind of has it together, so to say, or has it where we're self-sustaining, where we're basically, we can pay our bills and we have people to lead us. There's a tendency or a temptation to forget where what we have came from. And this is what Paul would lean into in this conversation. He's actually using himself as a personal example here as he leads the Corinthian church and he's talking about some amazing things that he had been entrusted with. He actually had an amazing privilege to see Jesus risen from the dead and and Jesus would communicate with him and he had revelations and visions, what the Bible would say, where God would reveal himself And Paul wanted the Corinthians to understand something. He would say, listen, all these amazing things that God has given me, on my own, I would begin to believe, if left to myself, that it's because I'm so awesome that God gave me this stuff. So he would say, God put some painful things, some weaknesses into my life, really to keep me humble. He would talk about that. You can read the rest of 2 Corinthians 12 to get more of the context, but that's the concept. Look in verse nine, which is really where we're gonna camp out today. Here's what he says. He said, but he said to me, my grace 
is sufficient for you. This is the Lord talking. My grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. He says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I am strong. And here's what I want to do here. I think if we're going to find the answers to our what-if questions, we need to begin to understand something I'm calling the, the power paradox, the power paradox. And here's what Paul would be introducing here to the Corinthian church. And actually, this is him clarifying it. He would talk to the Corinthians all throughout his relationship with them. But here's the idea. The natural way to think about power is this, right? When, when I have strength, then I'm strong. Paul's going to say, no, it's actually in God's economy, it's flipped. The reality is when I'm weak, I'm strong. Say so that, that doesn't make any sense. Right, that's why it's a paradox, right? He said, if you want power, if you want God's strength to show up in your life, what the path to that, the way to get there is actually through weakness. That's the way to tap in and really interact with God is when I come to a place where I recognize my need for God. Paul would say, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And in fact, the flip side's also true. If I believe I'm strong, I'm actually really weak because in my independence from God and my self-sufficiency from God, I'm actually missing out on the power that God has for me and it actually puts me in a place of weakness. I was thinking about this. I have uh, four kids and, you know, your kids always try to do stuff that they can't quite handle yet. I've got a seven-year-old daughter and I saw her one day in the kitchen trying to open a jar of jelly, you know, that was just one of us evidently cranked shut and it was all gummed up and, you know, just hard to open. And I saw her, she's skin and bones. I think she's like 43 pounds. She's not malnourished, but she's, you know, little. <laughs> and she, she's cranking on this thing, trying to open it up over and over and she's stubborn, right? So she's, she won't let it go. Eventually, she comes to this point where she's like, all right, I'm done. I can't do this. Dad, will you help me? When she came to her point of weakness, right, she opened up the possibility of more strength coming in. I'm a grown-up, right, so I can open it. And all of a sudden, she found strength when she was weak. Pretty simple. But actually very profound. And what, what I want to begin to do is ask this question, what if God is calling us to embrace our weaknesses that he might respond with his strength? Say it again. What if God is calling us to embrace our weakness that he might respond with his strength? What if? And it made me think of this teeter-totter this week. I know, that's odd, right? Made me think of a teeter-totter because you guys know how a teeter-totter is supposed to work. In general, right, two friends will, will sit on each side, right? You have a friend sit here and a friend sit here, and, and you trust each other when you sit on this thing, right? I'm gonna put my weight on this, and I'm gonna trust you to put your weight on it, and if I go up high and you jump off, what happens? You cherry bomb, right? How many of you guys have been cherry bombed? You all have, you need some new friends. You should catch the last series we just did. It was good. Right. The idea is I trust someone and I, I kind of go up and down, back and forth, and that's what a teeter-totter does, 
right? You kind of trust each other and you put all your weight in here, trust the other person to come through for you. Now for the sake of our conversation, let's pretend that this side of the teeter-totter is my weakness, right? My weakness, kind of all the way over here to the end. And this side of the teeter-totter is God's strength, God's strength. This side's my weakness, this side's God's strength. I'm gonna make sure we got it. So I wanna hear this loud and clear. This side is my beautiful, nicely done. This side is God's excellent. Love it. So here's how this is supposed to work. Paul would tell us the way that this works is I trust God to show up on the other side. I embrace this weakness And now I'm gonna look over here at God and say, God, I'm gonna trust you to take care of me. I'm gonna trust you to show up. I don't wanna be cherry bombed. Land over here, show up with your strength and we're gonna have a relationship where I grow to trust you more and more and what that creates as I embrace my weakness and God shows up in his strength is it creates a life of radical faith. Does that make sense? I need God, I see him show up in my life and it's a trust relationship that's built and it's meant to kind of go up and down just like you would in a teeter-totter. Now what Paul was wrestling with and he was helping the Corinthians to understand is that this is not simple or easy or intuitive to do. It's not natural in any way for us to embrace our weakness. Nobody likes to be weak. I don't. I like to be independent and strong, and probably most of us do. So what can happen, here's what Paul was calling this group to. They were self-sufficient. They were strong. And what he would look at them and he would say, be careful. I should be careful, actually. (laughs) By the way, if there's any medical professionals, you can move to the front just in case I fall off this thing. But he was saying, be careful now that you don't drift away from your radical need for God and begin to believe that you only need God a little bit and that that you can actually manage this whole thing on your own. How's this supposed to work? Supposed to be I sit over here and God sits over there. The temptation for humanity is that we manage our own life, right? And so I have a little bit of need And so I'm gonna lean into God a little bit over here and I'm gonna see what happens. I'm gonna manage my own life and believe in my own perspective of life and trust my own wisdom. And God, I have this little need. Maybe I need a little bit of a a breakthrough in my company. I pretty much know what I need to have happen. God, would you show up a little bit? I made this one mistake this one time. If you could patch up this relationship for me, God, that would help a bunch. I'll go to church. Hopefully I can learn a few tips and help that way. But because I'm only admitting or owning a little bit of my need, I'm only expecting God to show up in my life in little or small ways. And what ends up happening is rather than a life of radical faith, where I put myself all out there and trust that God would show up, I'm kind of the one managing the whole thing. And God's only kind of involved a little bit, or maybe even not at all. And the temptation is to call this following Jesus. And Paul would say, no man, you need to understand what does it look like to embrace my weakness 
that's where the possibilities open up because that gives God an opportunity to show up and to respond with his strength. You say, what do you mean by weakness? What do you mean by weakness? Great question. Weakness can start with sin. It can start with my sin. It's not just simply a mistake that I made. I'm not pretty much a good person who generally has it together and I might need a, a little bit of help when I, when I blow it here and there. God would say, no, come off that self-management of your sin. Call it what it is. It's actually a, a radical need that you have. The Bible would say, and for, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right? Apart from him, we can do nothing. Own that weakness And what could happen is is God will come over here and God will respond to that call of weakness and that call of desperate need. How does he do that? Well, he sent Jesus, right? He sends Jesus. Jesus lives a perfect life, never sinned. He paid for my sin and he gives me a, a, a perfection that I could never get on my own. See, I have a moral weakness I have a sin problem. God responds in his strength and power. He sends Jesus to die in my place. I could never do that on my own. But it all comes in here when I own the fact that it's more than just a mistake. It's more than just a little help that I need. I come all the way to the extreme level of need and weakness that I have and to the extent that I own that weakness is the extent to which God shows up with his strength can look like my sin. I think it starts there. For many of us, that one would make sense and be like, yeah, I know, I, I know I'm not perfect. I know I have a moral weakness. Man, it goes beyond sin because right? I'm human. I'm finite. Right? I, I'm not God. I, I'm, a, I'm a creature. Right? I'm a 34-year-old created being. I'm a human. I, I can only see my little scope of the world, you know, If I want perspective, I have to admit that I have a limited perspective. I just do. I can't know all that there is to know. That's what college teaches us, right? If we want to be humbled by information, all we got to do is Google something and we realize how much there is to know about any given situation. So I'm looking for perspective. God, why, why does this happen in my life? Why is there pain and suffering in my life? I, can't, I can mostly figure it out on my own. God would say, no, you need to come all the way down here and admit that our perspective is limited. I'm a human being. God would say, agree with me. Right? The Bible would say in Isaiah 55, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so my thoughts are higher than yours and my ways higher than your ways. Own that weakness, that limited nature of my perspective. And how will God show up then? Well, God's like, man, I will teach you. I will open my resources and bring them to bear for you. I'll give you the Holy Spirit. Like, I'll come and live inside you myself. I'll preserve my word and keep it for you and help you to understand it. In fact, God would go to the point where he would say, I'll actually give you the mind of Jesus, the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 3 talks about that. And now I can begin to see, have glimpses of God's perspective on pain, on 
loss, on situations I can't explain because I am so limited, I, I can't ever grasp the whole picture. God knows the end from the beginning. He's the only one that can see that far. I own that weakness. And God shows up on the other side and I trust him to give me the perspective that I need in order to function. It's a radical life of faith. It's my sin, it's my perspective. There's other weaknesses that are gonna show up. Because I'm flawed, because I'm limited, I don't even know what to chase in life. Like what, what goals should I chase after? What should my ambitions be? If, I, if I'm gonna give myself to something in life, like what should I give myself to? And we can look at the situation and say, God, I, I pretty much know what's gonna be the good life for me, right? Oh, I, I pretty much know that if, if X, Y, and Z happens in my life, this is, this is gonna make everything okay. If, if my business were to take off, God, that, that would make me happy, right? If that person would marry me, if I could find a wife or a husband, if my kids would listen to me, if I chase down this road, it's gonna bring me something. So I'll interact with you in, in tidbits to try to see my plan work out. God would say, abandon your plan, surrender your plan, come all the way over here, own the weakness of, I, I don't even know what to give myself to in life. And here's what could happen. God would say, you know, I, I have a plan for you that is far beyond anything that you could ever pick for yourself. I actually have chosen you. I've picked you. I've pursued you. Not to build a bank account or a corporation or a name for yourself. I picked you, ready, to build eternity. Ephesians 2.10 says we are God's workmanship. We're his masterpiece. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance that we should walk in them. God's like, if you would actually get out of your own way and you would surrender to me and let me lead your life, I'll actually put opportunities in front of you that you wouldn't even be able to see as opportunities. Those opportunities will actually affect eternity. You're gonna love people that I put in front of you. That's gonna change their eternal destiny. It's gonna bring honor and glory to me, and by the way, it's gonna bring you joy that you've never experienced before, chasing your own plans and dreams. But I gotta land over here in my weakness. As it shows up in relationships. I, I pretty much, I know what needs to happen. If I could just get my husband or wife to do this, give, give me some tips, God, on how to get my husband to do these six things. I mean, it'll be all better. Give me these four tips, God, to, to make my kids behave the way I want them to behave. And my, my need will go away. Scratch that itch. In this relationship, this conflict, this problem I have at work, right, that'll go away. I pretty much think I know what it looks like to have that all work out. God, I just need you to give me a little, like a little boost. God would say, 
I want you to come all the way down. Own the relational weakness. Not because he wants us to feel bad, but because he's our father and he actually has more power than we do. He would look at us and say, I've called you to love in ways that you can't love on your own. You actually need me. I'll give you the Holy Spirit. He will empower you to love and joy and peace and patience, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness, self-control, compassion, things that on your own you can't produce. Come over here and own the reality that, that you need me to really love your husband and your wife. Come over here and own the fact that you actually need my help to raise your kids or to honor your parents. Come over here and own that reality. Land in your weakness and I'll come, I'll show up over there. I'll give you what you need. But we come to a point of surrender, of weakness, gives the opportunity for God to show up. And here's the whole premise. Here's how we can start this series. What if we've never experienced all of the power and purpose, the plan of God, his strength in our lives because we've never actually lived in the weakness that God describes us in? What if? What if to the extent that I own my need and my weakness for God is the extent to which God's power and purpose and plan shows up in my life. What if? What if there's a whole nother realm of experiencing Jesus and his power, but it involves me actually owning the need for that to show up? I was wrestling with this this week, studying this passage, man, and uh, this is messing with me at a pretty deep level. Some of you guys would know my story, right? I came to know Jesus radically. I, I was living here completely on my own, kind of managing my own life, even really without God. And, and then what happened is the need for my forgiveness showed up, and I was like, I own that, God. I agree with you. I'm a sinful person. I need you to save me. But what I've seen happen, this is just convicting me this week, reading this passage, studying this, is I've seen an unbelievable stubbornness in my own heart to want to go and control and manage my own life. You know, I got it, Lord. I'm good. I need a little help here and there. But I've forgotten my own neediness and my own weakness. And I'm saying, God, I want what this produces living here. I don't want to live a self-managed life. That's lame. Right? If all church is and all following Jesus is is some help, self-help tips and right, some good attaboys, like, no. I want more than that. I want supernatural relationship with God. I want to run the adventure of watching God show up in my life as I can actually own that I need him. Isn't that what you want? I, I I want this. This is a journey we want to take together. Because I want to tell you, I do not have this thing mastered. 
Um, I'm very much in process of learning how to live in weakness and need and own that. I even felt it this morning. Right? I woke up, my alarm went off, I, I, it's on my cell phone, and so I start grabbing my cell phone and checking all my stuff and trying to grab hold of my day and right, get it all worked out, and I'm just like, Ryan, you're out of control, man. So I just stopped, and I was like, Lord, you know what I need. I want you to run my day. I'm sorry. I'm, 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 it's not that looking at your cell phone first thing in the morning is bad or sinful. I, I just don't want to run right to self-management the first time my head lifts the pillow. So God made me stop and say, all right, Lord, here, here's my agenda for the day. I set it over here. You know, and I, I want you to actually lead my life. I don't know what you're going to put in front of me. I don't know the people or the opportunities or how you're going to use this day. But God, what if you would show up in my daily grind even today, even now? I want to live like that. And God wants to be that involved in my life, guys, and he wants to be that involved in all of our lives. I don't know about you, but I have all kinds of room to grow in this. What's exciting about that is that means there's all kinds of possibilities for God to show up in ways that maybe we've never experienced him. What if? That is what we're gonna chase down in this series answering those questions. A lady came up to me last night and said, Ryan, I, I absolutely needed to hear this. She goes, you guys are gonna tell us how to do it, right? I was like, that's what the whole series is about. Unpacking how do we live a life of radical faith? What if God is calling us to abandon a self-managed life and live a life of radical dependence on him? What would that look like? So where do we go from here? How do we leave it today, knowing this is kind of the first conversation of many? I think some of us would look and say, uh, you know, I came here at Grace for the first time. I don't even know what's going on. You know, nice teeter-totter, though. That's really sweet. Um, I get it. I hear you. You know, we we would say, yeah, I kind of manage my life. That's, of course I do. Like, what else would I do? If you're here and, and you've never looked at the radical need that God says that we have, the radical weakness. Step one is acknowledging that. It's owning that from a moral perspective, saying, God, I've sinned against you. I'm not perfect. I've broken your commandments. I've broken your heart and I need your forgiveness. Jesus, here's my life. I want to live like this, not like this. Would you save me? Would you rescue me from myself? I'm actually someone that needs the strength of God. Making that decision for the first time, asking Jesus to save us, guys, it, it will change your life. It has changed mine in ways I cannot describe and it will open up possibilities that we've never experienced before. Make that decision if you never have. For the rest of us, I think it looks like us kind of seeing ourselves on this teeter-totter, you know, and and asking God the question, God, where am I in this? You've called me to be here in a place of weakness, really in every area of my life, saying, God, 
I need you across the board. All my problems, all my opportunities, all my perspective. Like, I want you to show up there. But if we're really honest, maybe you're like me, man, and you, I see myself, I have crept up and abandoned that level of need in some ways and didn't even realize I was doing it and began to manage my own life independently from God. As if we're here, God, God would say, come back. I want you to trust me. You know that problem that you're wrestling with, you're losing sleep over? That relationship that's messed up? I'm not promising your life will be pain-free, but I want you to start by acknowledging that I can help, and I want to meet you in your point of need. God, show me my weakness would be our prayer today. And what will God do with that? I don't know, but I want to find out. And I want to see where God would take us in this series. I'm jacked about this. I'm on the journey together. We are fellow followers of Jesus, and this is something we're going to spend our lives trying to figure out, but I want more. And I would encourage you to land in the same place to say, I will not settle for this. Self-management. And it's not life. It's not faith. It's not radical. God has called us here to radical need for him. And guys, he wants, like nothing I can ever describe, to meet us in that place of need. He's longing to open our jar of jelly. He wants to help, okay? He will not let us fall. He will not cherry bomb us over here on the side. He will meet us and take us where we need to go. But we've got to trust him. We've got to own that weakness. And let's say, what if? God does amazing things in the process. I'm gonna have the band come out. I'm gonna pray for us. Let's wrestle with these questions as we jump into this series. Father, I wanna say thank you. Lord, thank you that you show us our need for you. You show us our weakness because God, I, I know myself, Lord, I would, I would stubbornly try to do it myself until I hit the point of exhaustion. Or I confess today, I can't do today by myself. I don't want to. I want your power. I want your vision. I want to see the opportunities that you put in front of me, not the ones that I manufacture. Lord, we want to live a life of radical faith. Will you lead us to that? And give us courage, God, to abandon our sense, our illusion of control. Call us out of it, God, and give us courage to follow you. I pray that through this series, Lord, you would change us. Meet us here as we own our weakness. We fix our eyes in the God of strength. Lord, we love you. Thanks for loving us first. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.